Hi guys, I'm Brooke. And I'm Jess. And this is Today I Learned Disney, the podcast where we learn some new and interesting things about Disney every week. First of all, I wanted to, you know that I am really into Disney history, so everything I talk about is probably going to be a little bit more based in things that happened a while ago, or, you know, things that have to do with sort of the founding of either the parks or, or Disney. So first of all, I learned this thing myself from an incredible book called Three Years in Wonderland by Todd James Pierce, I have it right here, of the Disney History Institute. And you guys can check it out. I will put a link in our show notes. And so, okay, Jess. Yes. Through this book, I learned the original name of Disneyland. Ooh. And it was the very first name that when Walt was dream- dreaming of the park, he came up with. Um, and it feels incredibly obvious once you say it out loud. But the first name of the park was Mickey Mouse Park. Huh. Some people... I had no idea. You had no idea. And no I feel idea. like this is going to lead us into a conversation about IP and the parks. Yes. But, <laughs> so Mickey Mouse Park, I mean, some people call it the lost the lost Disney Park or the park that never was. But really, it was, it was essentially Disneyland before Disneyland. And it was... Walt continued to iterate on his concepts from his, for Disneyland. And Mickey Mouse Park did, a, you know, plant the seeds for Disneyland. So... Essentially, when Walt was first dreaming up Disneyland, he imagined this wholesome, quiet park without big thrill rides, but of course with a train because I don't know if you know Walt this, but he was train. he was a big old train guy. From there, from this quiet, wholesome park, it pretty quickly evolved in his mind to include cinematic environments like the ones we know today, like a Western village and other things that resembled popular genres of the time to be more amusing to adults too. So the original plans for the park were drawn up by the late, great Harper Goff and Don DeGrady um, and presented to Burbank City Council, since that's where Disney originally wanted to build the park. They wanted originally to build the park on a tiny seven-acre parcel, not far from the studio, um, but the city council in Burbank only knew amusement parks at the time to be basically like seaside ragers, where people just drank a lot and loitered around and just caused mischief essentially so you know things I think there was there was a lot more peers at the time over here in Southern California and there was just a lot of trouble going on down by probably where we live <laughs> around here by the beach so anyway the Burbank City Council when he brought this idea to them uh, they told him and I quote we don't want the carny atmosphere in Burbank we don't want people falling in the river or merry-go-round squawking all day long so they were basically killjoys. <laughs> and anyway, Walt was peeved. And it, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise, though, because realistically, um, what would become Disneyland would never have fit on seven acres. So for reference, Disneyland is 85 acres, and it's about to be 100 with Star Wars Land. And DCA uh, California Adventure is 72 acres, which I was surprised by because it feels bigger. Yeah. So yeah, the seven acre park would have been I don't honestly don't even know, like the size of Fantasyland or something small. So anyway, when I was also just following up on our conversation before, when I was looking up the size of of Disneyland and things like that, so uh, I read that all of Disneyland would fit just in the safari in Animal Kingdom. That's why. So yes, there is a lot more space in Disney World, (laughs) obviously. But yeah, the original plan for Mickey Mouse Park was to fit on seven acres in Burbank. That's so small. Um, So anyway, obviously the current Disneyland has evolved way beyond what Mickey Mouse Park was meant to be. But the reason I chose this topic was because I thought it was going to be a good segue into talking about historical precedent for IP in the parks. 
But then when I looked at the list of attractions, it was very much like just old timey things that were going to be in, in Mickey Mouse Park and legitimately no IP, basically. <laughs> just a wholesome place that was basically a point in time of America, like a, you know, a Main Street USA that was supposed to look like Marceline. Um, and again, the Western Village and different things like that. So Mickey Mouse Park was seemingly not going to have anything to do with Mickey Mouse. But anyway, that's what I learned today. <laughs> it's kind of a messy segue into talking about IP in the parks because I thought it was going to be all about Mickey Mouse. And I got really excited that it was going to be all about, you know, just just uh, the um, the movies of the time. But uh, no, it was really, again, just Walt's vision for <laughs> helping, you know, families have a good time and tap into history. And yeah, bringing some of his, his movies to life as well. But anyway, Jess... What do you think about excessive IP in the parks? Oh, it's such a hot topic. <laughs> it's such a hot topic. I know. There is no good answer because they do it really well. And it's yeah. done in a way that's immersive. So like Cars Land is absolutely magical and I can't hate on it because they did such a great job bringing it to life. But then I also don't feel that same passion for Marvel Land, even mm. though I love Marvel movies. I just watched them all. There's part of me that just loves the OG, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean before it was tied into a movie. Yeah. I feel like we're going to end up talking about this a lot. lot. (laughs) I feel like this is something that will come back again and again because we have such mixed feelings about how things are shifting, especially in California Adventure, um, Mm -hmm. away from, from... what it originally was, which obviously what it originally was was a little bit messy and thrown together that was so and is involved. <laughs> it's pretty so janky. janky. But you know, I think right now we feel like it's it's going a little too hard into IP land with Marvel Land and Pixar Pier, which seemed like not super necessary as much as we love Pixar. So I think right now, especially and some of the things that we're starting to see happen in Epcot too, mm-hmm. um, where there was all that super fun, old, weird, you know, Alan's Energy Adventure is now going to be replaced with Guardians. Um, I was devastated about that one. And it's a little devastating as much as like a 45 minute super slow <laughs> ride <laughs> through some, you know, that I mostly slept on. Um, <laughs> was potentially not necessary anymore. Yeah, I think it's just... We're, we have mixed feelings about some of these like hard shifts towards towards hyper IP focused new things where they don't feel like they belong, like on Pixar Pier or on or on, oh, Paradise Pier, RIP. Paradise Pier, Paradise Pier, or the retheming yeah, on Paradise Pier for what it was was so good, and I just yeah. loved because the original version was super janky, yeah, super forgettable, but then the updates make it. What was it like, nineteen ten or something? Like old timey. Yeah, turn of the century. Yeah, just it was really well done. I know, and I just worry about the longevity of some of the IP type yeah. stuff. Where you know, once the it creates an incentive to keep churning out similar movies and yeah. similar franchises, and then there's also just when is it gonna get stale and have to turn into something new? Whereas something like the second iteration of Paradise Pier was great and kind of timeless. Yeah. No, absolutely. I know when I sort of start to see, you know, rides that are now tied to movies that you've sort of forgotten a little bit. Like Inside Out was fantastic and so good. And I love it too. Um, It just doesn't feel like it has that super timeless quality like some other 
movies do, and now we're going to have a whole ride around it, which is okay, because a lot of... Do you need a ride around? Like, Inside Out is such a pure movie. I know. But yeah, I agree. So then is everything going to need to be a franchise now? Is everything going to need to have sequels? Because we're seeing... You know, things coming out of Pixar, their their several year plan. I remember looking at it last year was just all sequels. So many sequels. So many sequels. All so the sequels. is I know if if the parks and the movies are feeding each other, is that all we're going to be seeing, or are we going to be seeing some more innovation from Disney, like we have, you know, historically seen and and want to continue to see? So anyway, um, I think there's a yeah. nostalgia aspect at play too, especially when you yeah. mention Epcot. Like, I love the old janky rides just because yeah. it reminds me of childhood. Even yeah. though I didn't go there as a kid, it just, like, it's so 80s and old school. I know. That I'm so resistant to updating it, even though I'm sure for kids today, they're going to love the new version. I know. It's going to be great. I have so much terror in my heart for when they try to change Journey into Imagination. They try <laughs> to take the figment away because he is so important to, you know, our childhoods and to that park. Um, although I have heard some rumors to that effect, so... I don't know. I also heard rumors that they were going to change uh, the boat ride in Mexico for Coco, but then Coco oh, wasn't yeah. as much of a domestic success. Hmm. So who knows if if that will end up happening, even though it was really critically acclaimed. Um, Great movie. We can update you guys as we hear more on that. But I feel like this is going to be a topic that Jess and I talk about quite a bit. Forever. So <laughs> Ongoing debate. So more on that in the future. Um, And we'd love to hear your thoughts and your opinions on all of these changes um, and on, you know, IP being incorporated in the parks in places where we maybe didn't want it or expect it. So, So, what did you learn today, Jessica? (laughs) So, I recently saw Incredibles 2. Have you seen it yet? Obviously, I saw it. Just making sure. It's just making sure. It was (laughs) so good. I've also noticed that Brad Bird on Twitter has been, like, aggressive lately. Oh, it's been amazing. <laughs> it's so weird. He, I don't someone get it. called it out for having swear words in it, which I didn't actually notice. And he responded by saying, it's an animated movie, not a children's movie. Yes, he did. Which is and amazing. And he was so, uh, he was so, uh, you know, uh, not upset about it, but he was so, like, I don't know, tenacious. Into it. In the way that he responded. And then there was another thing, um... What else did he say? Okay, I gotta think of this. Uh, so there was a thing. Oh, someone said something like, My kid got bored in the movie. Or I saw that, like, like that. a three year old kid got yeah, bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, With all due respect, I didn't make this for your three year old. Respect <laughs> for Brad Bird. I know. It was like Twitter presence. It was, I'm, I'm surprised that Disney let him tweet. Like, obviously, he's Brad Bird, so he's very, I, for anyone who might not know, he's obviously the director of The Incredibles. He's directed lots of other um movies as well i'm looking at an iron giant right here he directed the iron giant Mm -hmm. i have a big figurine of it in the room that we're sitting in right now um (laughs) what else did he direct a lot of things a lot of things yeah he's he's important especially at disney and uh yeah so lots of respect for following yeah follow follow him him on twitter Twitter. (laughs) um my fact this week has not much to do with Bradbird, but a lot okay. to do with his set designers um, and art directors. So have you ever heard of something called Guji architecture? No. This is my favorite TIL for you. Okay, Because great. one of, for me, my favorite things about moving to California, aside from obviously very easy access to Disneyland, okay. um, is all the Guji design. And Gucci. How do you spell that? G-O-O-G-I-E. 
Okay. It's a weird word. Sounds kind of like bougie. And it comes <laughs> from a coffee shop called Gucci's. That was designed in 1949 in Hollywood. Okay. So you've definitely seen it, even if you don't know the word for it. It's this retro futurist form of architecture that um, if you've been by like Johnny's Restaurant, which is kind of by the Grove. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't ring a bell. Nope. You've definitely driven by it. Okay. Um, If you've actually been to LAX. The okay. kind of spaceshipy yep. thing in the middle, that's an example of it. Okay. So I'll link some stuff in the show notes because you have definitely seen it. You know it even if you don't have the right word for it. And I only learned it recently after I moved here and was like, what is the yeah. name for this thing that I absolutely love? So also, if you've seen the design for the new Incredicoaster, how there is kind of a house-looking design that comes out in almost like a triangle point section, uh-huh. that's a great example of the architecture. So it's that, com- that comes out of the, where? It's the loading area okay. of the coaster, but it kind of looks like a house, kind of looks like the incredible super house okay. a little bit. Great example. And then there's that archway as you walk in that looks very yeah. like modernist, that style. Exactly. Okay. So it's basically incorporating space age elements. So like the Welcome to Las Vegas right. sign is actually an example with like the little starburst in yeah. it. And I found this great article in Smithsonian Magazine all about this design. It just notes that Gucci reflected a time in America uh, when the country was, and I quote, flush with cash and ready to deliver the technological possibilities that had been promised during World War II. So the article quotes architect and historian Alan Hess as saying, one of the key things about Gucci architecture, it's hard to say, Gucci, (laughs) such a weird word I know. <laughs> <laughs> was that it wasn't custom ho- houses for wealthy people it was for coffee shops gas stations car washes banks the average buildings of everyday life that the people of the period used and lived in yeah and it brought that spirit of the modern age to their daily lives so it's just this really optimistic form of architecture that is really forward thinking and yeah. it's all about you know, rocket ships were such a novelty back then and outer space and little atoms and all yeah. this stuff that, like, you do see it a lot if you're looking for it in Southern okay. California. So to bring this all back to Incredibles, I promise this is not a spoiler since it's in the trailer, um, but the new Incredibles house, the super home, is a perfect example of Gucci style. So it has all the angles. If you've yeah. seen kind of the outline of the house is very, like, sharp and angular – a lot of like big windows that kind of add to that space use of space. Um, the Probably space- the the sunken sort of parts of the living room where you have to actually like, yeah. Walk the interior down into, yeah. is really modern, mid century modern and yeah. Gucci architecture. There's little sunburst lamps in there Cute, that are yeah. like extremely Gucci style. So I love it. The Disney marketing team actually put the super house on Zillow so you can explore it further. Cute. You unfortunately cannot actually buy it on Zillow. (laughs) Wait, is it a home that, a real life home that looks like the super house or is it? They put the the super house house. so they animated. Okay, okay. But their animation is so amazing at this point that it looks like a real house and (laughs) I do wish I could buy it. How much is it going for? (laughs) I don't know if they even had a price. Priceless. Yeah. All right. Priceless. Fair. <laughs> Literally, because you cannot pay for it. <laughs> if it was in California, it would be a lot. 
wonder if we could get the plans for it and just, just make just one. Just build our own. Yeah. Let's just make one, guys. Let's tweet at Brad Bird. Come on, see if we can. Give us the plans. <laughs> we'll we'll invite like, you over. We'll have a, a barbecue. Toss a blueprint our way. Yeah, come on. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. So, in the show notes, I'll link some examples. Okay. I just love – there's actually – I'll link to an article as well – that kind of goes into a lot more of the architecture in mm. all of Incredibles and all of uh, Metroville. Metroville. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because there's a lot of really unique styles in what they did. And, like, yeah. with Edna's house, they had a whole other section of this kind of similar period architecture and interior design. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And you can go down a whole wormhole on starting from Incredibles and going into all of Southern California architecture. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel good about the Incredicoaster. And I honestly, like, I know we have already talked about Pixar Pier and how there is sort of historical precedent for being there and how you had a really great time there. I'm still planning on going in the next few weeks, or I may have by the time you guys hear this. But something that we have all been kind of sad about is just how much California Adventure is changing from being really about California and more about IP but what's Pixar nice now yeah Marvel and but what's nice now to hear and to appreciate is that that is a, an art style that started in Southern California it's something that is really representative of you know mid-century Southern California and that makes me sort of appreciate it even a little bit more it makes it feel like it yeah, fits in even more that's what I actually did really appreciate yeah. there is the design of that building, and I wish I knew what that building specifically was. And then there's, I think, like, light poles that are also very much within that same design yeah. reference. And it is very rooted in Southern California. So you're right. It's not completely straying from yeah, California. That's nice. Not you're, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, where I think the conceit is that there was, like, a rip in the time-space continuum or something. And is that's that why it? the building is there. <laughs> like, oh. So you're going to kill me, but I had an opportunity to go on Incredicoaster a few days ago, Uh, and I got scared and I bailed. uh, Have you been on California Screaming? Like once a long time ago. It's all mental. I psych myself out because I know there's an upside down loop coming. and I feel it. It's like... That's what everyone says. Yeah. I just need to like psych myself up. Yeah. But I got Max Pass so I could ride it. My time came. My friend went on. And I told her I'd wait for her by the cookies. Oh, no. Did you get a cookie? No. <laughs> oh, man. Just an all-around fail of an afternoon at Pixar Pier for oh, me. Oh, listeners. Okay, so we are going to have to someday plan a day where we all help Jess <laughs> go on Incredicoaster, psych her up. I'm going to tweet Brad Bird and ask him for his encouragement. Yes, we'll tweet at Brad Bird. We'll see if he can help. Or at least just, like, light a fire under her butt. Maybe he'll come back <laughs> fiery at us. And we will. I'll do it one day. I promise I will go on Incredicoaster. We'll get Jess on coaster. But I have to be honest about my personal failures. Just like Walt Disney. Just like Walt Disney. Yeah. Following in his footsteps. I'm going <laughs> to fail great. a few times and not go on it. And one day I'm going to go on it. And it's going to be my favorite ride at California yep. Adventure. I'm sure it will. Calling it now. so fun. Uh, and I wonder when the line is actually going to subside for that. Was it hard to get a ma- max pass? No, actually. Yeah. yeah, it was very it wasn't yeah, they had them available. All what day. time what time did you get yours? It wasn't even that late. It was like 4 p.m. on the 4th of July. Wait. You you booked the path pass at 4 or what time did you book it? I booked it probably around noon. Okay. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like first thing 
of the day. It yeah. didn't they still had them available and it wasn't even redeemable that late in the evening. Oh, that's really so, great to yeah. know. That's good to know also because then maybe when you're planning your day, you can go for something that sells out quicker, like Radiator Springs, if you mm-hmm. have to not go on singles. Which um, did Radiator Springs actually did uh, sell out before. Yep. Yeah. Always does. And probably even I mean, I know Guardians is not maybe selling out as quickly anymore but radiator springs anyway so good to know maybe get your radiator springs before you get your incredible coasters next time you're at disneyland so yeah so it's great to know uji architecture look it up weird word for it (laughs) but my favorite kind of architecture in southern california and totally worth the wormhole that you're about to get into i will link to everything in the show notes and you can see it now at disney california adventure park that's really great i'm really happy that you told me that and really Thanks. disappointed in me for not going on the ride. And really disappointed but. in you for not going on the ride. <laughs> but we will fix that in the future. So. Thank you guys so much for listening. We also wanted to share that we are now on iTunes, which we're so excited about. So if you get a second, please search for TIL Disney and leave us a review if you're enjoying what you're hearing. You can also find us on Instagram at TIL Disney or visit us at TILDisney.com to share your thoughts, or let us know if you have an interesting TIL that you'd like us to talk about. Thanks, and have a magical day.